Hello there, and thanks for joining us here on the Lion's Guide community, where we empower you with the resources you need to reach heightened levels of success in your performance, business, and leadership. Or as I prefer to say, we're going to save the world through more courage and better leadership. Here on the show, we explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. We also interview various subject matter experts and review books and other resources to help you establish clarity, have courage, and lead the way. I'm your host, Dale Walls. I'm the founder of Lion's Guide. And on this episode, we've got Dr. Dan Vlaube. And see, Dan and I, we served together in the Marine Corps many moons ago. And uh, back then, we were just a pair of 20-something knuckleheads trying to figure out our place in the world. And Today, however, Dan is firmly on the path of growth personally and professionally, having become a board-certified doctor after his enlistment. So on this episode, uh, Dan and I really talk about his transition from a lack of direction to instead tapping into his true potential and focus on high performance. Uh, We also dive into a book called The Four Agreements and some of the takeaways we picked up on from that book. So uh, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. And aside from that, we've got a lot of exciting news and releases coming out of Lions Guide that you don't want to miss out on. So make sure you head over to lionsguide.com and join our free members community so you don't miss out on what we've got in store for you, including the latest ready sheet downloads, we've got book reviews, we've got challenge clubs, we've got community events, live streams and trainings. Uh, we've got new courses coming out, uh, discounts on memberships and workshops and a whole lot more. So especially if you're a business owner um, who I found a lot of uh, folks that have been clients of Lions Guide and and part of the community are uh, just, I guess, relate to my background in, in founding a business and, and exiting so on and so forth. So if you're a business owner or someone who cares about your ability to perform and lead, hey, head over to lionsguide.com and join our free members community today. And with that all said, let's start the show. Everybody, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Dan Vlabi. Should I call you Dr. Dan Vlabi? <laughs> very few, very few do. <laughs> oh man, so this will be a fun one. Uh, Dan and I met in the Marine Corps, and uh, since then, he's been certainly my brother from another mother. He's a uh, you, you are a doctor of physical therapy, though, right? Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. I knew, I knew you were a doctor in there somewhere. So I got a I got Dr. Dan Vallaby, he's a doctor of physical therapy with, with the Veteran Affairs Administration, uh, and he's been on quite a journey as a high performer, and uh, we've been talking for a while now, man, about the book club thing with Lion's Guide. Um, geez, what, since last September when we went to Echelon Front Muster, we were chopping yeah. it up about doing yeah. it or should do it or whatever. But uh, but yeah, man, yeah. So we want I wanted to get Dan on, and we were going to come on and talk about the four agreements, and we are going to talk about that. But I realized kind of putting the show notes together and things that Dan hadn't been on before, so I wanted to take the opportunity to certainly explore his story. Um, and because you've made quite a transition, you know, like I, I jokingly tell people all the time, like this dude, remember Flabby? He's a freaking doctor now, and they're like, what a doctor. <laughs> So, so I wanted to, I wanted to honor that today a bit and talk to you about kind of your journey and how you've kind of transitioned. But really, your turn to give the thirty second version of who you are and what you do. 
wow, 30 seconds, huh? Right. Yeah, Summing up 44 years into, into that. Uh, right. Let's see. We met back in 1999, January, and uh, 29 Palms. That's where we went to MOS school together. Yeah, going back some time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, a doctor of physical therapy. I work for the Phoenix VA. And so I don't know if I need to throw that disclaimer that these views are my own and do not reflect the federal government. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I actually work in chronic pain. So it's a very troubling, uh, you know, it's, you know, tough population to, to treat. But uh, no, kind of, you know, <laughs> Coming back to what you just kind of shared, you know, if you look at people that met me and I was in the Marine Corps, right, what did I do all the time? Right, I just kind of partied, I drank, I was a typical kind of quote-unquote Marine, got drunk on the weekend, or all the time rather, uh, still got up and ran at zero whatever hundred and, and did our thing. And so, yeah, just this transition over time of uh, knowing that, right, we have this untapped potential within us and how do we go ahead and kind of, you know, achieve those types of dreams and, you know, very similar to you, right? We I did IT, figured this wasn't for me, um, started doing a little bit of soul searching and found my way into physical therapy and back in, you know, took me three years, 2009, I think was, no, 2006 is when I decided that this is what I want to do. I waited three years before I had that chance and ever since 2009, I've really never stopped learning, always obtaining something. And what do you think, like, with regard to... You mentioned earlier, like knowing your untapped potential, like when did you hit that realization? Yeah. What, what was kind of like the tipping point where you wanted to, you either realized that or you wanted to start tapping into it? Like what was the, what was the tipping point you think for that? I think uh, maybe my ex, right. She was, uh, (laughs) she was becoming a physician, right? She was in med school. She was doing all these things and, you know, also kind of coming from a family of physicians. And and here I am thinking, wow, like she's doing all these awesome things. And I know I could be doing, uh, doing more as well. What is it that I really want to be doing? And so, you know, along with her and just kind of, she helped to realize that, right, there's this untapped potential within me. And so just kind of worked with me, just kind of navigating all that and like, wow, all right, let me, let me just start getting after it. Yeah. And you're, and, and I guess that's true with regard to you or a, like you were always super smart and you're like, whatever you decided was going to happen, like was going to happen. There was just like always this point. It just, I don't know what you didn't really care. You know, am I saying it right? Like you didn't care, but no. man, you're, you are a terror to play cards against. Like you're smart as crap. Like in, 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 in like, you know, we have a ton of comedic relief and which we'll probably show through here, but you see that in like your comedy, let's say like screwing around and stuff like you're always, you've always been like a super smart dude, but it was, it was like, I would say you just didn't really want to apply it to anything. Like you didn't almost didn't want the trouble. (laughs) No. Yeah. There was the lack of direction as well as just aspects of flat out laziness. I was like, I don't really want to do this. So I didn't. I didn't have to until, you know, you kind of meet somebody who, in a sense, has kind of elevated their game. And you're like, ooh, I got to start elevating my game, too. I, I can't just be sitting back. Right, right. What do you, what was, like, the hardest part for you in kind of transitioning, so to speak, to to that? Like, what, what was the hardest part to kind of get out of lazy mode into, like, let's get it done mode? 
the hardest part. Wow. Um, I think there's no one aspect that's just the, the hardest part. There's just this constant stream of challenges. You know, where where are you going to go and trying to develop this plan? Maybe that would might have been it, right? How do I develop a plan of where I want to be and how do I get there? Right, because I never, I was, I was never a planner, right? I'm just, <laughs> I mean, my, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, even, I didn't use my calendar. I didn't want to be bound down to anything, right? And so, uh, that was it. Where you're, I'm sure there's probably people that are out there as well. Like, I don't want to use this calendar. It feels like I'm restricted, and you don't really have a plan. And and I didn't really need to. Maybe that was the Southern California guy in me still, where just kind of cruising out on the beach, swimming in the waves, just kind of chilling, and you know, life was great. And I'm like, wow, I got to kind of grow up as if we didn't grow up enough in the Marine Corps. I'm like, I still got to grow up. But did we, though, man? We it, Look, I kind of think the Marine Corps was a bit easy in a way that, you know, we just got – didn't we just kind of get by, you know? Like, we just kind of, like, picked our shots and you're like, hey, yeah, we want to be NCOs now. All right, let's go be NCOs. Like, oh, what do we just got to – we just got to do 20 pull-ups and, and run fast? All right, yeah, well, we can do that. Right? You know what I mean? Like, we weren't – I don't know. I, am I wrong? I feel like we just kind of no, took I our think, shots there. I think what um, enabled us to have that type of behavior was at our MOS where it's, you know, it wasn't, you know, the, the scores were kind of lower. Right. And so we were always able to, to shoot and run. Right. We, you know, we did our, we did the things that we needed to do in order to get those higher scores. And so that wasn't really the challenge of it. And so in a sense there, I mean, there wasn't, certain aspects that really weren't challenging. And it's like, well, here, you're a corporal. Oh, yep, here, here you go, sergeant, you know? <laughs> so, uh, right, because not a lot of Marines end up picking up sergeant within their first four years. Right, right. It was weird, man. Like, it, it, it's, you know, to me, it was like, man, being a sergeant, you know, and, and even, I guess, once become an NCO, but there's so much diversity there, right? Like, you know, when you, when you join the service, what, what our experience at the Marine Corps, man, there was just so many different walks of life. And then all of a sudden you're a sergeant, you're leading people not only younger than you, but also older than you. In our case, a few shitbag sergeants that were both older than us, senior than us. And, you know, <laughs> but it was like, it was a bit of um a leadership challenge to that regard that we had to like kind of dive in and just kind of take the reins. And, and, and again, it was just, it like in all things leadership, it just seems like it just was looking for someone to, to do it, you know, to kind of step up and, you know, we talk about that all the time, right? Like someone's got to step up, so to speak. And I don't know. I don't know. Thinking about it, right. It's kind of funny. We, we were the ones that ended up picking up and here we are like looking at all those sergeants that were before us, right. Those that might've done those lap moves and things of that nature. And you're, you're kind of looking up to them. You're like, wow, they're, they're a sergeant. Right. And then you get to be that sergeant and you're like, man, that dude was a shit bag. Like, <laughs> you know? You're like, what did they do here? Like they didn't really know their job. They didn't really, you know, have great leadership skills. They were just kind of loud, had the rank, you know, and, that's how they got by. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it wasn't all of them, uh, but but certainly uh, some of them. Man, we had some characters, man. and it was a ton of fun, and it, it, it learned a lot, and you know, definitely, and and certainly, I, I think especially for me, I don't I don't think I realized how much I learned and got out of it until probably well after, you know, until well after I was gone, and, and kind of reflected back on it because in the end of it in the end when you're in it's just kind of like all right there it's too close you can't really see it no i joke about it at times where being in the marine corps is 
little bit worse than prison, right? Because in, in prison, right, you, you get out on good behavior and it doesn't matter how great you are in the Marine Corps, you are doing your time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to pay my four years. But I mean, joking aside, like even with all the tribulations and everything that kind of transpired and, and times that sucked and times that were easy, you know, given that opportunity again, like I would go back and do it all over, right? This is kind of not exactly who, what defines me, but it was very foundational and me kind of breaking that mold of, of where I was at. Yeah. I mean, I guess what was life growing up like for you and what, what got you to join the Marine Corps? It's um, funny, right? I mean, my story is probably very common, right? They're, they're, you know, we, it was me and my brother at one point and single mom and, right, which is living in an apartment. And, you know, it was like, hey, we got to stay with our grandfather this weekend, stay with so-and-so this weekend. So there was never really any consistency. We, we moved around a lot and, uh, right, just kind of went through the motions of high school and, got out and started going to college because that's what you're supposed to do. But I wasn't successful, right? Kind of talking about the Marine Corps again. I was smart enough, but I was lazy, right? lazy in no direction. So I wasn't successful. And then I just remember I had always kind of toyed around with joining the military and my brother got a flyer in the mail for the Marine Corps. And I just thought, I was like, wow, this is the change that I need in my life. Because if I stay where I'm at, the, my future looks pretty, pretty bleak. And so I went and talked to that recruiter. How long, how long before you were on the yellow footprints from the time you talked to him? Um, wow. Uh, let me see here. I forget exactly. It might've been almost about a year. By so the time you I were that long. Before, were you yeah. going to school at that time or just working? Yeah, I was doing a part-time job that, you know, working security at a casino, right. It was nothing. And then, um, there's no, no future there. And, I was going to school, but just like going through the motions of school, right? I was at the community college and, and I was just taking uh, math courses that my buddies were in just because they were in it, right? It was math courses that were beneath me. I shouldn't have been in that class. I needed to be taking stuff more challenging, but uh, it was just the the motions of life. And then I decided to to swear in and then it was nine months uh, before I before I stood on those those yellow footprints. And, uh, and funny enough, I don't know if you've ever noticed where there's like footprints in front of like an ATM or getting in line or whatever. And I'm like, you know, fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always like, I'm never standing on footprints again. I'm not going to, you know. Come on, man. You just said you're going back. Uh, <laughs> I said I would do it again all over if I had the chance. I said I'm not going back. <laughs> What? A, um, so, you know, you've made these transitions. So I guess, you know, I know there's a, probably a number of things, but what have like, what are you most proud of over the last few years of kind of transitioning? Like the kind of looking back, like what are some things you're, you're the most proud of since kind of picking up and kind of finding direction and you know, more, more purpose for what you want to spend your time doing? I don't think that there's just uh one aspect, right? I mean, you can look at all the, the degrees and advanced certifications and things that I have. And, and at one point I had that stuff just kind of hanging on the wall as a reminder. And, you know, it, it was like just these things that I've accomplished and there's just these, these aspects of uh, feeling proud, right? Graduating physical therapy school and feeling proud, passing that board certification, feeling that again, you know, uh, two years later, passing something else, you know, a tough exam. And so I just kept passing more exams. And so there's all these things, just these other layers of, 
of how I feel proud of all of the things that I've I've done. You know, I don't know if there's anything in particular. I mean, those, those are some like kind of philosophical questions that you're kind of really, you know, you, you start beginning to kind of sweep away all the nonsense and all the degrees and you're like, that doesn't really matter. And really just kind of being at peace in life right now, like what a different human I've become, right? You know, we joked about that drunken Marine 20, 20 something years ago over that, right? And, you know, it's like this unrecognizable familiarity, right? You know who that person is, but you're like, I don't know who this guy is anymore. And there's other individuals that, you know, we would probably meet from the Marine Corps and they might've changed and might've aged a little bit, but I'm like, man, that's, that's still the same old guy. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think just kind of looking back about how much I've, I've learned and how much peace I have in my own life, perhaps that might be one of the more broader things that I have. So with that kind of said, do you feel like when you were without direction that you didn't have peace? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> there was always this unsettling feeling where at one point in my life, I actually thought about joining the Air Force, right? Marine Corps doesn't have their, uh, right? They get their, what's called healthcare from the Navy. And so I couldn't, I didn't want to go back in. It'd be a waste of my degree to try to become an officer in the Marine Corps. So I was like, all right, Air Force seems kind of cushy. They got plenty of decent bases, but it was this thing of like, I can join the Air Force because the Air Force is going to tell me where to live, right? They're going to station me somewhere. I'm like, I got my dog, I got me, I got my degrees, right? Where am I attached to? Nowhere. And so still kind of like at this time, chasing advanced certifications and learning as much as I can, feeling like I need to, to learn all of this. And, you know, wasn't really with anybody at the time and just kind of been like, man, you know? And so there's just a lot of just unsettling feelings that just were all aspects of my life. Mm. It, when you say unsettling, do you, it, it, and this has been a word I've kind of come to realize and it's brought some more clarity in my life the last few years. Like, were you just like not grounded? Like, you know, at, at that time where you just, with that you were saying like the air force would station you somewhere and kind of start checking box for checking boxes mm -hmm. for you, so to speak. Was it, were you just, you know, without that, were you just not grounded? Yeah. Right. I wasn't grounded. I, I wasn't, I wasn't in a relationship, right. I, I kind of accomplished more than I actually set out to do. Right. I was like, goal was get do physical therapy school. And then I started specializing and doing all these other things. And no, I wasn't grounded. I, you know, I, I fell in love with the state of Oregon, like living in Bend for about seven months. And then here I am in Phoenix and I'm kind of like, eh, I'm in the desert. There's a lot of cool things about it, but I'm like, it doesn't really feel like home. And right, there's no real family around here. Like I said, no, I wasn't in any kind of relationship crops and just the always just unsettling, right? I wasn't grounded. I don't know where I belong. I don't know what it feels like, what I should be doing, right? And so just missing clarity. Mm. And what, what changed that to kind of get you where you are today? I think as I started learning more and more and specializing and just kind of found my way into specializing in chronic pain, uh, you know, just kind of beginning to let go. I know I can't know everything. It is okay to not know everything. Um, started, you know, kind of talking to you and other leadership types of things, right? Some books and taking the course with you. And, you know, we have conversations and, um, you know, just continuing on this path. It's just been 
just more revealing, right? Kind of thinking all this time that, man, you know, what, what am I doing? Am I heading in the right direction? Do I need to be doing all of this? And it's like everything that I've done, just this acceptance of everything that I did was done for a purpose, right? There's no, no shame in it, right? Just it's what it is and just kind of being accepting. And also just having more light kind of moving forward. It was almost like for me, as I started reading books and, and working with other people, that it was like I was in this maze navigating it in the dark and finally the light was you know like turned on and i've realized i'm like man you're you've been heading in the right direction all this time and so you've been doing the things that you need to be doing and how do i just kind of you know start you know at you know in my 40s start getting my shit together (laughs) (laughs) you know uh what's that what's that chinese proverb or whatever when's the best time to plant a tree 35 years ago when's the second best time right now (laughs) the uh yeah and i and that's why i yeah and you know similarly i can relate that like that's why you know clarity became such a thing when i was kind of like putting together lion's guides because it it almost like to me and in my own personal philosophy it has to like start there right like if you aren't clear about until you're clear about where you're going or where you want to go at least directionally accurate so in with the intention of uh getting more clarity as you progress right you know because if you think like you know you have a goal or some sort of aspiration and you don't start making moves but you know it's not until you start making some sort of moves that 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 clarity starts to come into view right and and maybe sure you're only taking one step but it's one step closer to your goal or objective and because you're a little bit closer things are a little bit more clear or you see the next decision point or or next step or whatever um and i've always just kind of felt that you know as a result of that understanding is that the more clarity you get because people always talk about like lack of confidence and all that stuff these days for multitude of reasons but um and, and that's one of the reasons I, I like the four agreements so much because it gets into some of this. So we'll get to that for sure. But but I've always felt like, you know, when the more clarity you establish, the more confidence you get. Right. Like, you know, the more you understand, like what you want. Well, now you can be confident in the things that you're doing to take you there. Right. The more clarity of truth, the more clarity of vision, the more clarity of knowledge. Right. The more clarity you have just the more you can move forward, you know, confidently and, and, you know, act courageously and things like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think it's uh it's huge, you know, and I'm not one to, to blame my upbringing. Right. But I acknowledge that I was, I was raised a certain way and right. however that, that, that destructive household looks like. Um, but, you know, perhaps I wasn't set up for success then. And right. And we can have another conversation about why does somebody fail and somebody succeeds when they come from the same kind of background. Uh, but you know, that's, it, you know, it's where I was at, right. I had, I didn't, I didn't no direction, right. No clarity, joined the Marine Corps, started finding it, right. Going down these other paths and, and just kind of continually finding more and more. But I think you have to have that awareness to, to recognize that you're like, I'm in the dark, right? How do I, right? And I think as soon as you start realizing that I'm in the dark and I have this own self-awareness, then I can begin to kind of seek that clarity. Because if I don't realize that this is where I'm kind of stuck, right? Turn on as many lights as you want, right? I'm not going to find a way. Mm. Yeah, and in, in, in like the analogy of darkness, but even like, 
you know, to, to your point about people coming from certain environments and succeeding or not succeeding, you know, I would say like here for me, like in this small town and in like kind of what I came from with like, you know, similar broken home, like live with my grandmother and my mom, single mom, um, you know, dad's not really in the picture to give me that guidance or, or whatever. And, um, you know, but you know, th- there's that, you're in, that's a bubble too, though, right? Like, you know, no, no one in my family went to college or certainly wasn't familiar with anyone in the military or anything like that. So, you know, lack of kind of awareness, you know, whether it's darkness, but like kind of bring it, bring it home, like just awareness that there is more than, you know, graduating high school and getting another blue collar job and trying to find one with good benefits that I can retire from one day and all that stuff that was like just typical, right? Nothing wrong with it or anything, but it was the only thing I was exposed to. Um, and just by luck would have it, I joined the Marine Corps, right? Just, you know, sequence of events. But, you know, that that darkness that you were mentioning, you know, for for some folks, you know, it's really just just a lack of awareness of what they could be doing. You mentioned earlier, like the the potential, you know, that being shown your potential because maybe you just don't even know. You know, you're you're there's, you know, what's that joke like that the old fish swims by the two young fish and he's like, "Hey boys, how's the water today?" And he keeps on swimming and they look at each other and like, "What's water?" You know, it's like it's it's that right? Like you're kind of stuck and you don't even know it. You like you're in this this bubble. What do you what do you think today is like your your big big habits? Like what's what's contributing most to your success today? It's the I guess maybe it's perhaps this concept of like temporality, right time that there's right, we can't really be living in the past. And in the book, we'll talk a little bit about that as well, right? Kind of being stuck, and people probably heard this as well. Can't live in the past, can't live in the future, right? Oh, I need to be present, right? But how do you how do you do that? And it looks different, I think, for everybody. And so for me, I'm I've been really, I think, just kind of grounded because right, my my you know, I've got a daughter now, she just turned one, and as you know, right, you got three kids and man, they, they go they grow fast. And, and if you got that kid that's on the bigger side of the percentiles, right, they grow even faster. <laughs> and so, uh, right. So my daughter's growing really rapidly. And then, you know, I, I, I still, I mean, she's, she's my best friend, right? My dog, Hattie, you've met Hattie. She's been to your house, right? Hattie's been all over and she's getting ready to be 11. And so I get to see basically like my best friend kind of growing old and start to struggle doing things. And I have my daughter who's growing so rapidly. And I don't want to rush anything, right? You think about high school, right? I want to get through high school. I want to get through college. I want to get to the Marine Corps. Right? And I just want to do get through this to get to the next thing. And I've already accomplished so much that I'm not worried about doing the next thing. I'm just concerned about living in that present moment because Hattie won't be here Right, my daughter won't be so small where I can just hold her in my hands anymore, and so I begin to appreciate the mundane, right? Things that you know, when she's crying, right, and she's you know, how does it blow out in her diaper, and the dogs are hungry, and they want to be let out, and who knows what I did? My wife's pissed off at me, right? But these are moments that I, right, I get to change her. My dogs are still there. Right, I can still have these conversations in the sense with my wife, and so um, I, I think that's been 
really huge for me is really just kind of being aware, being present in that moment, just really appreciating things. And then of course now using a calendar, right? <laughs> you know, I don't even know. Yes. You know, Marine Corps, Marine Corps day, like, you know, what's a calendar? He ain't got a clue, but uh, yeah, just putting things on the calendar. It might've been from, from you. I got it at one point, just kind of like, show me your calendar. I'm going to show you what's important to you. And what's on my calendar, right? Walking my dogs every morning, making sure I exercise, uh, right, twice a week, making sure that my wife have her and I have conversations about communication and also about things coming up in the week, and and also putting on there like events with my daughter. Right, what do we, what am I doing with her? And so, I get to to see how things are planning out, and and now I get to look at does something new fit in, right? And if it does, it's it's replacing something in my schedule, and what is that? Because if it's going to replace something in my schedule, it has to be meaningful. And so kind of coming back full circle back around to time. If it's going to be, well, how do I make this a part of the time? Because this is what we live in. How much uh, do you think the way you grew up shaped this kind of period of your life like now a father in your value of time and how you're spending it with your daughter and stuff like that like how much how much effect do you think you know, just how you grew up drives how you want to be as a father i right i dabble with some some writing in my own quote-unquote free time whenever that is right whatever that you know what's free time um so the the one little line that i ended up writing about that i was kind of weighing a little heavy on me it's appropriate for now is just this how I grew up thinking about my parents as basically their demonstration of the conduit of unbecoming right so that this was an example of how I didn't want to be how I, I really you know and so the beauty in it is that I learned what not what I didn't want to become uh, the, the setback is I didn't know what it is I needed to be. And so that's where, right, I, I read and I, you know, I, you know, talk to you outside of here about, you know, what's it like being a dad and, you know, what are the challenges that you're kind of going through because you've got three kids, you kind of tore through it a little bit. Everybody's different, but right, a lot of our experiences are the same, right? We're all going to, you know, the kids are all going to get hit puberty. They're all going to talk back, right? You know, <laughs> and so that that's, you know, just this conduit of unbecoming. My, my parents really gave me uh, a, an awareness of what I do not want to become. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's the, that's that part about, you know, that, you know, all examples help us, right? Like good and bad, right? You know, so good examples, we kind of get inspired and like you were talking earlier, like, you know, having, having people in your circle that are just kind of really pushing themselves, like having them around you, but also like, you know, there's people around you who are like, man, I'm never going to do that. Right. Or, or even, yeah, I've even caught or I've seen other people do things that I had done, uh, whether it was in leadership or whatever. And I go, man, that's such a D thing to do. And I've done that. Okay. Noted. Right. Cause you can't see yourself. Right. And, and sometimes like when you're position of leadership, you're doing bonehead stuff, but no one's going to tell you, you know, right. And you got to have some uber self-awareness, but you're just doing like wrong things or, or your tax bad or whatever. 
Um, but no one's going to tell you, right? Like, because you're in charge, right? So, and it's not until sometimes that you see these other examples that you can truly reflect and go, oh, wow, you know, not only that's not good, but I've done that and I can't, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, the example, the power of like the examples being set around us, you know, um, it's pretty important. It's pretty important to, to monitor that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I take on students and, and I like to try to even share with them that, right, even even the fool can teach us something, right? There's always something that you can learn and try to make sure right? if you have to go to a, a meeting, some kind of conference or, or whatever that looks like, and you're like, I already know all this material. I'm like, hey, that's okay, right? Now you're either just kind of freshen up on it or you're just reconfirming that, you know what, I'm doing what I should be doing. Uh, you know, and there's other times where you get to see somebody like, oh, man, they're such an idiot. I'm like, well, all right, you know, bias aside, you know, they're over there screwing up in some sense. But, you know, there's probably a, a thing we can be learning from them. What what shouldn't we be doing that they're actually doing or can we be helping them? Right. And so I think there there are a lot of great lessons that are around us. I am not the Dalai Lama, not at all, right? <laughs> I, I do. I am not even considering myself any like that, right? I'm human. I get, I get upset. I get mad, right? It's what happens. But you know, me getting mad now compared to 10, 20 years ago is a completely different experience, right? Just like you said with leadership, no one's gonna tell me these bonehead things that I'm doing. But now, if I get upset. I have a better awareness of, oh man, that's what it was kind of like. This isn't really how I even want to feel. Why do I feel like this? What control do I have over? And perhaps, right, this kind of ties back into a little bit of the book as well. Like, why am I experiencing certain things of this nature, right? What is my agreement that I'm holding myself to? And therefore, I, I feel this way. Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called The Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique, like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. Jumping into four agreements. What, uh, so the four agreements, a Toltec wisdom book, um, I was telling Dan before the show, I read this many moons ago. I don't even remember when. Um, it was actually before time that I, because I, today I'll mark books up. I, I was raised in, a, you don't ever, never write in a book, you're going to jail type of world. But now, <laughs> now I, I, the ones I read, uh, I mark them up. But this wasn't, wasn't all marked up. So I probably just wrote my notes down from this one. But uh, but I read it a while ago. It's, it's, a, it's a short, easy read. It's only like 140 pages. So um, 
you know, if you look, want it easy before the summer ends, read. This is this is a good book to grab. But but I I when you brought this up, I, I remember I was like, man, that's a great book because it's really impactful. What 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 brought you to it? What, how did you come across it? Uh, actually, you're the one that came brought it to me. I did. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about easy reads, and you threw a couple my way, and I was like, "What about this one, right?" And uh, and so that's maybe where you might be thinking that this was my idea. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, your idea. It was, yeah. So I, you know, I got the book, and I mean, it is. It's a it's a pretty easy read. Uh, my my biggest challenge with trying to read it was probably just the beginning, where right, they're talking about this Toltec wisdom, and, and I just it, it just felt like bad storytelling like i was watching just a bad movie how you're trying to sell me on this mysticism and it was locked away for thousands of years and now i me whoever the writer is right i'm going <laughs> Don, to Don Miguel, Don yeah, Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz, right so it's like he's gonna shed the light for me and i'm like ah no like i was like <laughs> i couldn't get through that it was a struggle and so I had to put it down a few times. I like, put it down, let me come on back with a different mindset. And then eventually, once I started getting past some of the mysticism, uh, it started making a little bit more sense. Well, look, man, I, I, I don't know, man. I think like here in my 40s and late 40s, you know, the, the mysticism or whatever aside, you know, I, I feel today like, you know, because you see all these struggles we have with like mental health and like where technology has taken us in that regard with social media and too much information and whatever. I mean, I felt like he was talking about like a much, if I remember correctly, a much simpler time, you know, and I just finished reading. I've been listening to it. Uh, I listened to it, uh, Born to Run. And it was also kind of talking, I think, in a similar area. Have you read that book, Born to Run? Uh, it's sitting on this shelf over here to be read. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome book. But it was talking about the uh, I think the Tarawana down in Mexico, and these are still like folks that are like one of the cultures that have a really low cancer rate and things like that because they still live in like a you know a pre like not prehistoric not right but <laughs> like they they live like in in the wild like you know and these people are like. Um, Anyways, and but but like they didn't wear shoes. There was just all these learnings, and and it kind of reaffirmed something I've been coming to in my head, um, and and where I do appreciate some of these books that kind of go back like before the rush of our civilization today, the busyness, right, and like you know where we could had time to think and and how we how we acted as a result of that. Like I feel today, we've we've thrown a baby out with the bathwater with so much stuff, you know, like our, our like some human understandings that you know have been just overwritten with technology and comfort and you know i don't know no it uh absolutely right and so the the wonderful aspect about the pandemic is that it opened us all up a way to still continue communicating and um you know enabled us to still work from remotely and things of that nature and so a lot of great things kind of came about it right but in the same time with the advancement of technologies and all these things that are kind of going on, I mean, you can't really, you can't replace that human interaction, right? And so I can do a mental health appointment over video, right? I've even done physical therapy appointments over video, but there's something, uh, right, when we're actually able to connect when I put my hands on somebody, right, we're, we're working together, or when you're sitting in that office, right? They sometimes refer to it as like this third space, right? You were there, I am there, right? Thinking about the environment and what's going on in between us. And so it's uh, a different setting. You know, I just was 
who knows, right? Mindlessly scrolling around through the internet and just kind of came up about this one thing. I forget what it was even titled, but just this time, not even so long ago, right before cell phones, when you would go somewhere and you basically disappeared, right? Nobody knew where you were at, right? You know, cell phone, right? You know, this is maybe we had to like map quest things. Like you had to know where you were at. And so Dude, I think when we first got to California, like when Jody and I drove across the first time, I had one of those maps like that that you yeah. bought, like the little spiral binder map in 98 or 99, whatever it was. And like, dude, I remember like the day before, like had to draw out on the map, like with a yellow highlighter, like this is where we're going. You know, even before MapQuest, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, right? Uh, there was another book I had seen. It, it was also kind of talking about the environment and right, we think about these other cultures that they don't have all this technology and all you know these other uh, stressors that you know kind of in a sense don't don't matter. We allow them to affect us, but we're absent of it, right? And so it's we when we learn right why why Wim Hof in a sense kind of comes really powerful is because we have to learn to right endure elements right thinking about whether you came from somewhere in Northern European. Uh, heritage and you know you had to deal with uh, colder winters or perhaps right from Africa and you know it's you know hotter than hell there you know I've been there you know so right or I live in Arizona it's hot here right so we we get really comforted with our heaters and our air conditioning and so we don't stress our bodies in a sense and then we're allowing other things from social media about what I don't have or what somebody else has so great and you know I think the book kind of talks about some aspects of that indirectly right? When we're, we're trying to, uh, adhere to our own agreements. Yeah. So what did, what did, um, what did the agreements mean? Like, what did he mean as far as, um, you know, making these, you, you've alluded to like making certain agreements with yourself. Like what, what, what are we talking about here with that? Oh man. All right. Uh, you're going to challenge me on aspects of the book. I, I didn't realize this is going to be a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. man, you're not yeah, I mean, even like these agreements of, you know, when uh, I think they use the example that, you know, you're you're ugly, right? Somebody tells you that you're ugly and, and our brain loves to go ahead and hold on to that one negative statement, even if I'm probably told I'm beautiful a million times. So one person younger, but I'm younger. And so then that becomes my agreement. I agree with this statement that I am ugly and I grow up. And I'm like, I begin to feel bad for about myself because I'm like, man, I'm not as good looking as Dale, right? And so, all, I mean, which is true, but right. So, but I, I begin to have this, and maybe it's contributing to low self esteem and everything. Um, but he mentions in the book about how challenging it is to like undo our our agreements with ourselves, but yet provides it in a simplistic way where I'm like, this is unrealistic. I can't just kind of snap my fingers and tell myself today, no, you know what? You're a handsome guy, right? And all of a sudden, life is going to be great. And so it does take time. We have to try to find what are some of these agreements that we're holding ourselves to. And so thinking about that first agreement of like being impeccable with our word, right? And so that's, uh, it, it's it's hard, right? What do we, where do we start when it kind of talked about an, an aspect of that awareness? taking that time to take a look at what are my poor agreements that I possibly have? What's affecting my life? What's limiting me? What do I believe? 
And uh, that's that's hard, right? That sometimes does take some unpacking with a mental health professional. Mm. Yeah, the and, and that's a little bit it reminds me of that 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 how's the water today, boys thing I was mentioning earlier. Because sometimes I think we, we think these things about ourselves or or about situations or whatever. And we just don't realize that that's something that we've just programmed ourselves to think possibly, or maybe, you know, someone has said these things to it. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, and even to the point of, um, yeah, we see it today with like the clickbait stuff. And I tell, like you hear, have these people like echo back, like, you know, headlines, like they, they didn't read the article, but they like, so-and-so like whatever. And, and did you hear about that? And, and I go like, how do you know that's true? You know, like, like how do how do you know that's true? And that's just been something that, in this part about being impeccable with your word in in these agree- agreements with yourself is like, you know, always be challenging the truth of the things that you're saying or hearing or choosing to believe, um, because it freaking matters, dude. Like you know, it's it's you know, measure twice, cut once type of thing, right? Like if you're if you're working on bad info, you know, you're just gonna end up in a spot you don't want to be. Yeah. Um, it, it, you brought something up and it's kind of funny, right? I, I know Dave Chappelle kind of joked about it, right? He, that he's getting hate for being what he calls the victim blamer, right? And so it's kind of like, oh, so-and-so got beat up. They're like, well, what did they do to deserve that, right? And so, you know, we can laugh about it, but it's it's true. It's, you. they're only headlining, right? This is what happened, oh, but... Not, not condoning violence in any sense, but how, how do you know that perhaps somebody wasn't in self-defense or somebody was doing something else kind of going on, right? And so you're right. They start kind of just spitting these these things. And, and I got it from you a while ago when you were just kind of sharing that, hey, you know what? I just kind of put some people on mute on social media right? because of whatever it is they decide to kind of post. And it's like this negativity. These aren't your own thoughts. You're just kind of sharing somebody else's rhetoric. And I just kind of find myself like disengaging from social media so often because it does affect my mental health. And it's just people parroting things kind of going, what's your own thought? Like, I'm okay if you're going to reshare a a headline. What are your thoughts around this, right? What is your solution to something, right? Or are you just kind of like, you know, inciting some kind of hate? and, And, you know, it's even like this aspect of the book, I just happened to turn the page to it, right? Your opinion is nothing but your point of view, not necessarily true, right? It comes from your own beliefs, right? And so that, that's what we're kind of rooted in. This is my belief, therefore it's true. And is it truth, right? That, that's, the, that's what we're trying to be impeccable with our word. Is, it, is this truth? And, and it's probably not, but uh, I'm okay with somebody sharing something, but just don't kind of be regurgitating because then I'm like, you have no thought of your own. You're just kind of, you know, like I said, sharing rhetoric. And I'm like, I got, this affects my mental health. And I'm like, yep, let's engage. <laughs> right. Let me, let me go back to 3000 years in Mexico. I'll run barefoot. I'm okay with that. Last yeah. The, yeah. And I think like, and that's just it. I do rather enjoy, you know, and I guess this is a point of, you know, mindfulness. I'll say that, that I'm grateful to have reached that, I'm curious to other perspectives, right? You know, um, Flip, have you seen him on any of the work we've been doing? He has this this idea of like the beach ball. He's like, hey, you know, we're all sitting around a beach ball and you're sitting over there and you see a set of panels and I'm sitting over here and I see another set of panels um, that construct this beach ball and you're sitting over there going, man, that's orange. I'm like, no, it's not, it's blue. 
you know, and we're arguing about, but, but we're both right. It's just a matter of perspective, right? We're all seeing the same thing. It's just like, because you're sitting on that side of the beach ball, you see different color panels that put it together and I'm not sitting over there. So I don't see them. So I've kind of really come to enjoy just seeking to understand, you know, like where other people are coming from and why they might feel a certain way, because I guess that's that, because, you know, you just don't walk in everyone's shoes to like really understand where they're coming from. And, 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 and once you kind of try to seek that time of type of understanding, you really, if they're full of crap and they're just like, you know, parroting or whatever you get, you get, you figure that out real quick, right? Because they're not coming from any point of perspective. They're just coming from a point of just parroting what they, what they read online. But, you know, if they've been a victim of certain hate or they, they've had a certain consequence or they grew up a certain way or, or in a different area, right? And and it's always, I think it is it is good, right? When you're like this diversity word today, I think, I, I think, you know, we don't, I don't think we honor that word the way we should, you know, from that perspective. Like diversity should be recognizing just that, right? Like people are coming from different environments and different scenarios and different upbringings, maybe different completely cultures or countries, so to speak. So, you know, the diversity of just seeing how other people are seeing things, not not to say anyone's right or wrong, but just to know where we're all playing from, you know. Yeah, you, you make two, um, two points that reference back to the book. Uh, one, right, that last one, just kind of thinking about, you know, you know, honoring some diversity, but yet when people come from wherever they come from, you know, it's, we begin to label them, right? What is the, the one of the agreements is like, you know, um, don't make assumptions, right? Mm. And so we're like, all oh, right, we're already making assumptions because somebody's coming from somewhere and therefore you are this. And yeah, uh, right. And, and we don't. Uh, and the other one would be like the, the second agreement of like, don't take anything personally. And so while you're kind of coming from, oh man, this guy's telling me that the beach ball is orange, but I'm seeing that it's blue. Let me understand why. Right. Let me begin to kind of ask those questions, which ties in to that don't make assumptions. Like, let me gather some more information about all of this, you know, um, to not take things personally. Right. So the use the example in the book, you know, about how, oh, you know what? Let me look at the guy's name again, Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, you're awesome. Right. Oh, we love you. And he's like, yeah, OK. Right. Probably feel good. But at the same time, you're sharing that from where you're coming from. Right. That shouldn't be impacting me. Right. Your love for how much you love me shouldn't impact me. Um, and if you're telling me how much I suck and I'm the worst. Right. Like, OK, you know what? That, that's that's fine. Right. I'm not going to take this personally. You're sharing with me where you're coming from right now. And so it, it is that aspect of mindfulness. Right. I think uh, how, you know, Jocko will probably talk about like detaching. Right. It's mindfulness how do i have once again awareness to what's going on so that way ooh, i'm not taking this personally they're sharing with me what's kind of going on i'm beginning to make assumptions let me ask questions now about what where their walk of life came from why are they sharing this information about their belief that's probably true or maybe not even true and so you're right that i think that just kind of comes with maturity sometimes and, and wisdom and, and that's not just defined with age you know, sometimes we're, we're taught it, or maybe it's also some through the experiences that we, we end up having, or right, we read books like this, and then, wow, all right, I'm being impeccable with my word, I'm not trying to take things personally, and I'm not trying to make assumptions right now, so I'm asking all these other kinds of questions, you know, because it's uh, very easy for us to just slap that label on somebody, because, you know, at, at times, I think that we, we do get that decision-making fatigue. 
right? I wake up in the morning. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What, you know, what is my daughter going to eat? Okay. Uh, what do I got to do? And you make a decision after decision after decision. And so it's, it's a simple way for our brain to get just some information and be like, there you go. Right. So I don't need to ask a lot of questions about what's kind of going on. My brain's kind of trying to simplify things for me because, right, we can get that decision fatigue leading to burnout, right, getting high stress. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I definitely, that goes back to, you know, to, to, you know, so in, so that everyone hears it, like you and I went to Echelon's, Echelon Front's muster, put on by Jocko Willink and Lake Babin and those guys. Um, and, you know, they've got the, like the four laws of combat or whatever, but one of theirs is like to keep it simple, you know, to decision fatigue. And I guess that's why it's important, you know, to really routine yourself out as much as possible, you know, so that you don't have to think constantly. You can just have the, the luxury, so to speak, of just executing, right. If you just kind of keep it simple when you kind of, yeah, man, like, yeah, I eat the same breakfast every day, but I don't have to think about what I'm eating for breakfast today. <laughs> like it's already been decided, you know, and it, yeah. it, you know, um, but some people live like that, you know, they're just like every day, like wearing themselves out because they've not slowed down enough to just kind of say, Hey, this is working for me. So I'm going to kind of burn this in as my SOP. And, uh, cause that, yeah, that decision fatigue. Um, yeah. And I wanted to kind of give some kudos to, um, some color to what these agreements were. So, so we're on the second one. Uh, don't take anything personally in front of the book. He said, um, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So basically saying, don't get all hung up on what other people are thinking, doing, you know, it's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Um, this one's tough though. I think, I think like as a society, it feels like everyone's struggling with this one. They're, they're so worried about what other people are doing, other people are thinking and, and all that. What do you think? Right. There, there's truth in that, right. When it comes to, I think he talks about, uh, suffering and happiness kind of also being a choice and, some people argue that, but in a sense, it kind of is, right? I, I can be happy in a really crummy situation. Um, the suffering is essentially what I associate to it, and kind of tying back into to where I'm at with the right, the kind of chronic pain world, right? We have, you know, I think it's like pain times resistance equals suffering, and mm-hmm. so right, my pain is my pain. I, I can't alter that a whole lot. I, you know, accept it. It's where it is. But whatever level of resistance, I can actually make a change in that. Right. And when I start making changes in this resistance, right, I actually start impacting my suffering that's associated with my pain. And so we, we do have these opportunities to, to do these things, but they are the challenges of, of life, right? Uh, it's hard. How do I not, I mean, I don't know. I think as I kind of continue, I don't think I really ever cared about what anybody ever said about me. Um, probably because my upbringing where, you know, my parents didn't really have anything great to say all the time. So <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, I'm not really going to take that. Uh, right. I'm not going to let that be my agreement that I suck this bad. So, um, yeah. And so you just kind of move forward and you're, you're not going to accept that. And you're kind of like, this is a reflection of who they are. Mm. Okay? It's not, it's not me, uh, you know, which kind of wants, you know, does tie into that fourth agreement of, right, always do your best. I'm doing my best. And, you know, and so that's where I know where I'm at. You know, talk, the book talks quite a bit throughout it about, like, this self-love. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people know how to do that. 
I know a lot of people that I work with, they don't know how. They, mm. they don't love themselves. They're not in a place to love themselves. Yeah, that's a tough spot. In fact, there. so when I bought this book, I got it as a collection of, of a few of, of um, the author's books. And the second book in the series um, is called The Mastery of Love. And it talks a lot about just that, right? And, and that is important. Like if you can't, you know, um, yeah, I think that's a really, really big one. I'll run down that rabbit hole with you. But um, but yeah, uh, third agreement, uh, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid any avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. Don't make assumptions. Yeah. You got that fourth one up? Fourth one, always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simple, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. Look at that awesome pairing, right? You gave us the description based off of how the book defines it. I rambled on about whatever before we actually introduced it. So. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about the assumption thing? Like I said, it's, um, I don't know, they kind of paint it in a sense of being kind of bad, but right, we end up, our, our brain does it, right? We have this, at times, this top-down level processing. That's why when you look at uh, a sentence and words are kind of jumbled around and perhaps numbers are in there, right, our brain just makes assumptions just, right, to, to ease. It's like, I don't want to waste energy. And if I want to, you know, start looking at it, you're like, oh, okay, let me break, right? You have to slow down. It takes more energy. It takes more time. And so I do agree. I, I see where he's going with it, but there are times where, am sometimes I just need to make those assumptions, right? I'm not going to, you know, if my, my wife is not really clear about in terms of if she's going to, you know, go to the grocery store or something like that or whatever, you know, and, you know I can just kind of pick things up or what do I really need to be doing? How many resources do I need? Do I need to kind of call her and text her and try to email her if she's not responding, you know, uh, or what, what do I do? Or is there something within my own control where I'm able to kind of get something done? Am I waiting for her to come home? And, you know, otherwise, is she going to do the dishes or should I just do the dishes? Right. I mean, is it unnecessarily, you know, uh, you know, questions that I need to be asking? But I, I think the overall arching concept of asking questions, right, understanding, clarity, and so that way we're not, you know, we're, we're being impeccable with our words. We're allowing somebody else to honor that first agreement to be impeccable with theirs, right? And now I know where they're at. And so I guess perhaps coming back to more happiness. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, to me, this one – this one's a big one, and I think it is a really powerful one. And I think you're you're right when you think of like some some like smaller item things. But you know, you think about these times where someone might be like, "Man, that person doesn't like me." Well, how do you know that? That that they tell you they don't like you, or what? Or are you assuming based on maybe how they've looked, or how they looked at you, or how they've acted towards you, or maybe whatever? Like, have you gone and confirmed that? And what I liked about this one is like just kind of like calling out like you know, to not make assumptions and to seek the truth, you know, and, and find the clarity in, in such things. Like it does take courage, right? So to that point of that person doesn't like me, but you don't really know that's true. Like 
you know, you're going to have to dig into a little bit of courage and go, hey, you know, I, I get a weird vibe. You know, is, is there anything I did to offend you or anything like that? Or just kind of curious or whatever. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, otherwise you're just you're you know, you're running on an assumption that may or may not be true. They might be they probably think you don't like them, you know, uh, whatever it could be. You know, so I think this this is one that, um, you know, and you probably heard me say this back. At, I remember I used to try to say this as often as I had the opportunity around, like, don't make assumptions. Like, don't make assumptions that the client knows what you're doing. Don't make assumptions that the part's going to be here tomorrow, you know, just because six weeks ago it was supposed to deliver tomorrow, right? Like, like whatever the case may be, like, don't just make assumptions when you could seek that clarity so that you've got maybe, you know, the truth, you know, you're working with the truth. Yeah, that's, um, that's hard, right? When you're, how do you challenge somebody, right? People don't like that word challenge, right? Just like they don't like the word change. They have this negative connotation to it, but right. It does take courage to challenge that one person and try to really understand, do they like me? And, I, and I'm thinking about a, a particular coworker for myself where I'm like, I just get that vibe just based off of right how they talk to me, uh, their interactions with others and how it's not as friendly as when they're talking to me. And I'm like, did I, you know, I'm just starting to ask myself that I do anything and, and like, this person doesn't seem like they like me, you know? And then I talk to another person and, and they're like, Oh yeah, that, that guy just, you know, it seems like they're really threatened by uh, other, other males that are actually better off than them. Right. And I'm like, Oh, is that, is that what's going on? Like, All right, you know? <laughs> so it gives me some, some more information. It's still an aspect of an, I'm assuming, right. Because I didn't ask this other person, but then at the same time, is that also worth my energy where I need to ask this person, Hey, do you have, do you have you know, issues with other males that are better positions than you in life? Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> but it sounds really kind of, you gotta go shoot them between the eyes with it. You gotta go flank yeah. them a little bit on yeah. that one. Probably. But, um, but in a sense, right, I have some more information, perhaps kind of getting some more understanding. And now when this person is also kind of treating me perhaps the way that they are, right, walking that line where they're not being like disrespectful, they're just kind of being who they are, you know, I can kind of come back to the to the second agreement and realizing that this is a reflection of who he is. It's not me, right? I'm over here. I know that I'm doing my best and I'm, I'm helping out veterans and every single day. And so, yeah, it's, hey, maybe that's on them yeah and and you know and you, and you don't know i mean you don't really know and you ask the question like you know um do you, do you exhaust the energy i mean my answer to that would be depends on how much it's impacting how you want to see things go right like you know if it's truly like a detriment to a your enjoyment of your job because every day you got to cross paths with this person and there's this you know cloud there or whatever you want to call it, you know, then it would be worth it. Right. But if it's really a non-issue, it's, it's whatever, take it or leave it has no, it's no factor, so to speak, then yeah, then, then it's not worth the energy. Right. It's um coming back to just thinking about right before all this technology, even thinking about coming back to the, to the wild, right. You know, that, that cheetah, that lion or whatever, they're only going to go after that animal. That's just slow enough. Right. They're like, I'm not going to go after the one that's fast or strong. I'm not wasting my energy on that. Right. This is worth my energy. And so you're right. If this person impacted me daily and and I allowed it to affect me and my happiness and and where I'm at in my job and I bring that home. Right. Yeah. I, I, I really need to have that courage in order to be able to, if not directly approach this person, find that third party, have some sort of maybe mediator 
because I shouldn't have to feel the way that I am at, at work if I got to, you know, go around and there's all this level of uncomfortableness. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Then, then it, then it is worth the energy of, of going after. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, we're at the hour. Anything else? Any, I know you've had to kind of jump, go pick up your daughter or whatever. Uh, but, uh, any, any save rounds you want to squeeze in before we bring this one home? You know, it's, uh, I think, just my own mindset. And it's something that you kind of talked on just about the beach ball concept, right? Is that I read this book and I think there's a lot of really good nuggets in there. There's also some aspects where I'm just kind of like skimming through. I'm like, oh, I just kind of hurry this up. Um, but it does just kind of, it's, it's a simple read. You know, I, I think that you can still kind of get a lot out of it, kind of touching back, circling back again to what we shared earlier, right? You can learn something from the fool. This can re- really kind of be reconfirming things that uh that you were doing as well and so yeah it was uh, i appreciate you challenging me to to make sure that i read this book make sure that i uh, knew what i was talking about somewhat yeah man anything else exciting that you're working on right now um right i think one of my only next challenges is going to to poland to do that wim hof experience and climb to i think it's preska you know where you're just in a in boots and shorts and a, and a hat yeah, I, I thought I had this mindset that I was like, oh man, I better hurry up and sign up. There's probably so many people that want to be doing this. I'm like, no, right? <laughs> like, no, nobody's really so eager, I think, to just to go get in that cold water and challenge themselves and kind of embrace that suck, but know that that cold is merciless, but at the same time, it is so giving. And so I, I have that what's uh, coming up, uh, you know, beginning of next year. So if you're if you got the ability, you should be going with me. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm working on it. I brought. I mentioned it to Jody. So, I, I've started uh, planting seeds. See if That's I can great. pull it off. The uh, yeah, man. No, well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, how much Wim Hof are you doing now? You Wim Hof um, it every day? Yeah, except for the cold showers, right? I I live in Arizona, so I'm trying to to explore different types of things. I get in the shower first thing in the morning, and I turn on the as cold as it'll go. And I may get a little sprinkle of cold, but you know, thirty seconds a minute later, it's it's warm water. And so, uh, my my wife's gym that she convinced me to start going to has one of those cold pools. That's like I think it's like forty two degrees. And so I, I don't get a chance to go to it often, but I made it like a minute and twenty up to my neck. And so I was like, all right, I'm doing good. Let me start Wim Hofing this shit. Just Wim. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but no, that would be uh, uh, honestly a, a, a discussion if you haven't had it with somebody else. Just the the power of breathing, you know, not just Wim Hof, but just all these other aspects and what it means and what you can do and how you can incorporate it in your own daily life. Did you read? Did you read What Doesn't Kill Us? Uh, I don't think so. So the what doesn't what doesn't kill us is the book about Wim Hof. It's it's a journalist that kind of thought like Wim Hof was just like. BS and and he went to go kind of debunk him and then he got all into it and writing this book about it and it, it's pretty neat but uh yes what the, what doesn't kill us we could review that book that'd be a good one to kind of jump into mm-hmm. or, or we could explore the whole Wim Hof thing around it or wait till you get back do it we wait till we, we get, back. get back yeah I hear you <laughs> yeah I would love to it's definitely on the bucket list so we'll see what was it January. Uh, so there's a few that are going on. The the one that I chose to to do it with uh, was like a like an eight day type adventure. Mm. And so I'll be there for you know the week. I don't know which. I, mean, I guess like I guess they have an outline. I should probably review it a little bit more. 
but uh, right, I'll, I'll worry about that. I'm, I'm just kind of focused on uh, trying to do the breathing. I probably do it four to six times a week on average, I guess five, right? About at least five times a week. I try to make sure I get some, some breathing in because it just helps me before, or it just kind of sets me straight. Yeah. I do it before my workouts now. Yeah. That's what I typically do, especially before I go run. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get that breathing in. I'm like, man, look at this. It's like I'm back. Hey, I don't know. I mean, it's been, like I said, been a while since I read the book, but I, like, cause another great book that cites Wim Hof is called uh, breath. Um, that's a good book that that's where I first stumbled across Wim Hof. And then I read the, the other book that was more fully about him and, and this adventure that you can go on with him. Um, but yeah, if you Google, if you guys are interested and you Google Wim Hof, like there's plenty of it, plenty out there, plenty on YouTube. If you want to do his, the Wim Hof method, it's for free. It's on, on YouTube as well, a little guided version of it. Um, and I encourage you to lay down when you do it the first time, <laughs> lay down, find it. And he tells, he tells you what to do, but, uh, the first time doing it, man, you're, you're kind of like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't get that, uh, lightheaded feeling, feeling anymore. I've done it so much, but uh, I've, uh, I, I think you're not supposed to chase it, right. The, the, the saying of like getting high on your own supply, I've kind of altered the, the last portion. So what I'll do is on, I'll do like four rounds and on that last breathing in for 15 seconds, that's where I'll actually extend that because that's where I get like this feeling of like euphoria in a sense and my mind just kind of wanders and I'm like, and then after I can't hold my breath like that anymore, after about two minutes or so, I'll just kind of like, Oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of, I think they talk about not trying to chase it, but in a sense, I, I kind of do chase it. And so certain days I'm able to kind of really achieve it and other days, not so much. And I'm like, Oh, it'll always be tomorrow. But yeah, I think just that's what kind of keeps me going round after round after round. I'm like, all right, here comes round four. I'm going to get it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Right. So it's just, yeah. uh, it's an awesome experience. I love kind of feeling the way it is. It, it, yeah. It only takes 15 minutes. I mean, I don't know. I don't do like the 30 second, one minute, whatever. Like when I do the breath hold portion of it, I'd, I go as long as I can go, and then uh, then I'll do the 15 seconds, and then I'll run again, you know. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly how long it's taken me anymore, but but I hold my breath quite a bit now, thanks to Mister Mister Wim Hof. So cool, man. Well, I'll let you jump. Thanks for coming on, okay, and uh, we'll get you back on. Do it again. Chop up, chop up another topic here here soon, my man. Yeah.